0: Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shay Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries.
1: Welcome to the God Questions Podcast. A few episodes recently, we've discussed that our favorite type of question to answer are ones related to salvation. The absolute best question we receive is when someone asks, basically, how can I know for sure I would go to heaven when I die? Or how can I. Know for sure my sins are forgiven. Those are the type of questions, absolute favorites to answer because we can really get to the heart of the matter. We can deal with the person's relationship with God, how they can know Christ, how they can have their sins forgiven, be promised eternity in heaven. That's the most important question. Often, so many of the questions we deal with are on side issues. And I'm not saying they're unimportant or I'm not saying we don't want to help people on those issues, but if we have a choice, we would just love to spend way more time helping people understand salvation than any of the topics. So, Jeff, Kevin, and I, have been talking lately. We decided to do a three-part series on salvation. And the three parts are going to be, what does it mean that salvation is by grace alone? What does it mean that salvation is by faith alone? And what does it mean that salvation is in Christ alone? And today, we're going to be talking about grace. So what does it mean that salvation is by grace alone? Jeff, why don't you start us off and, um, what is grace and why do we need it? Well, grace is...
2: The, the starting point for the entire concept of salvation. And I think one way that's easier to, to sort of process these is that there's a lot of overlap between grace, faith, and Christ in what they do, what they don't do, how they function. But I think it's important for us to understand exactly what God is like, because grace is really God's motivation or God's sort of step in this Process And grace is what explains to us why he offers us what we call justification, which is basically salvation from an eternal hell because of the things that we've done and the things that we deserve. So grace is that that choice that God makes to extend something to us that's completely undeserved, something that we've done nothing to earn and something that we have absolutely no right to. It's something that he's not obligated to. And that's where his nature comes in. So if we don't understand the God who's extending grace, we can't really understand what grace is. So God is eternal, uncreated, necessary being. This means that God is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need to create anything. He doesn't have to create anything. That also means that God is completely sovereign. He doesn't have to do any particular thing with his creation that he doesn't want to do. So there is no sense in which God is obligated to treat human beings in any particular way. And that's very uncomfortable for us as people to process, to understand. It's not something that we like, but it's the case. God is the one and only necessary eternal creator, and we are not So that starts us off with the idea of grace being something that is not deserved. It's not mandatory. It's not obligated. It is entirely a choice that God chooses. Now, God is also absolutely holy, which means his separation from us. He is completely perfect in all of his attributes. He is the standard of power, knowledge, wisdom, goodness, all these things. By definition, we don't meet that category. We, we can't because we're different from God. If he's going to create something, it's going to be different from him. So we don't have those things. So there again, grace is God making a choice to reach down, to extend himself to human beings in order to accomplish some purpose of his. So obviously, as we go through this, we'll talk a lot about the way that that grace, faith, and Jesus Christ overlap when we talk about these are like that Venn diagram idea. But the, the easiest way to think of grace in this context is that it is this top down idea. Grace is why we need to be justified. Grace is how, uh, or it starts the process of understanding how, but it's why God chooses to extend us grace in the first place. And it's really rooted in his nature and who and what he is.
0: Understanding that God is eternally holy is very important for understanding this concept of grace which is god's undeserved blessings and that's so key that these blessings that god gives us are undeserved we are not holy and god is eternally holy we don't measure up to god's standard and sometimes i think we we tend to kind of look at the wrong standard for ourselves you know i can look at you two guys and I can say, well, I am more holy than Shay is. And yeah, when it comes to Jeff, sure. when it comes to Jeff, I am definitely more
2: holy no, than he nope. is. Yeah, but that's not statute limitations. We're not putting any of that on the internet. Keep going.
0: <laughs> so, but see, that would be a faulty standard that I'm using. I'm, I. I that's not how I uh, need to be measuring myself. I look. My standard is the holiness of God. And when God revealed his law to the nation of Israel, that was the standard of holiness. And it was very plain. You know, uh, can you keep all of these laws? Can you measure up to God's holiness? And the answer, of course, is no. And this is why we need grace, because we lack righteousness. And not only do we lack righteousness, but we have no way of attaining it ourselves. Um, we are stuck in in sin we are stuck with a we just don't measure up to god's holy standard in mark chapter 10 uh, the uh, a young man comes to jesus and he's a rich man and uh, mark says that this man ran to jesus fell on his knees before him he says good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus says why do you call me good no one is good except god alone so right there god's pointing to the standard the standard of goodness, holiness, is God alone. Um, so are you are you truly associating me with that type of holiness? And then Jesus continues and says in verse 19, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, says this rich man, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And so this man Uh, This man thinks that he's good enough. He thinks that he has maybe attained a certain level of righteousness, and maybe that's going to be enough to get him to heaven, to get him saved. I have kept all these things, he says. But then Jesus very quickly, very easily puts his finger on one place where this man is falling short. And Jesus says, Uh, In verse 21, well, we have the note here that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love that detail. He loved this man, but he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The man's problem was not that he had riches. The man's problem was that he loved his riches more than he loved Jesus. Because here he had just heard Jesus call. Jesus saying, here's my plan for you. You follow me. Let go of your material possessions and follow me. And the man couldn't do it. The man was breaking the the very first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And Jesus, with surgical, spiritual precision, just says, here it is. Here is the sin that's keeping you from the kingdom. You love the things of this world more than you love me. And so I think that's just an illustration of all of our need for grace. Doesn't matter how many of the other rules that we've been keeping, we're always falling short in some way. Every single one of us. Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. And even if we try to, you know, start keeping all the laws, we, we, we can't keep them all. And Scripture is very plain that in Galatians 3 and verse 10, for example, that cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. In James 2 and verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point, he is guilty of all. So even breaking one of the laws makes us a law breaker and a sinner in God's eyes. Nobody measures up to God's holiness. This is why we need God's grace. I mean, we, we can't even keep the 10, right? The 10 commandments. How are we doing with those? And then we can't even keep the one that Jesus said. It's, it all boils down to love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. We, we, we break that one all the time. How many of us love God with all of our being all of the time? and never falter in that. I mean, by that, by that standard, we sin every day. And because we are, our, our love is so fickle and it gets placed here and there. And we love different things. We tend to always want to love ourselves. And uh, that's, that's human nature. So we need grace. We cannot attain God's righteousness. And he saw that. God knows that we lack righteousness. He saw that we cannot attain it ourselves. And so in his kindness and in his grace, he sent his one and only son to take on human flesh, to fulfill the law on our behalf, and to die in our place, to rise again, so that we could have his righteousness applied to our account.
1: To me, grace is what distinguishes the Christian faith from every other religion in the world. What distinguishes historical biblical Christianity from all the pseudo Christian cults are out there. Grace the fact that we can't earn our own salvation. There's nothing we can do that can make us worthy of it. And I remember early on in my Christian walk, I really had a lot of trouble understanding, especially like the difference between what mercy and grace is and how both flow from the um, love as an attribute of God. Finally, having explained to me in words I can understand was that mercy is God not giving us the judgment that we deserve. I mean, because of our sin, we deserve to be eternally separated from God. Mercy is God not giving us that. Grace is God giving us good things that we do not deserve. Grace is God extending far, not only is God not judging us as our sins deserve, he's also blessing us in amazingly, powerfully good ways, showing us way beyond just what we don't deserve it's not giving us what we do deserve he's giving us what we don't and that contradistinction was very helpful for me in really understanding that salvation is all of grace as i said every other religion out there to varying degrees teaches that we earn our way to salvation or at least we contribute significantly to our salvation and then maybe god does the last little bit salvation according to the Bible is all of grace. Nothing we can do can contribute to our own salvation It's 100% grace. Um, the key verse in this salvation by grace alone through faith alone is of course Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says that for by grace, are you saved through faith? And this, not of yourselves It is the gift of God. Both grace and faith are a gift from God. All of salvation is a gift from God. Nothing we can do to earn it, to make ourselves worthy of it to in any way, deserve it. It's it's all of God. And that's what makes both Christianity unique and also makes it a struggle for people because we want to have a part in it. We want to contribute. We want to, whether we'll admit it or not, we want to be able to take some pride in saying that, yeah, I, I contributed to this. Um, yeah, sure. God did most of it, but I saw it a part. But no, the, in the Christian gospel, salvation is 100% of grace. Um, nothing we can do can make us worthy of it and nothing we can do can earn it.
2: And this is why we said there's a lot of overlap between the ideas of being saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Because when we talk about God extending grace, he has no obligation to extend grace to us at all. So when we start to talk about Christ, one of the the complaints that comes up or the, the difficulties that we have is the idea that it's in Christ alone that we're saved. But that again, that reflects to and overlaps with the idea of grace, which is that God's not obligated to offer any means of salvation at all. So rather than us as human beings being frustrated or flustered with the idea that why would God only offer one way? Why would there only be this one way for us to be saved? We should accept the idea that that's grace. That there's any way offered in the first place. So again, there's there's overlap between these. You see overlap between the idea of saved by grace alone and the idea of being saved by. Faith alone, because as both of you were saying, there's no way that you can earn salvation. Uh, the, the Bible's very explicit about the idea that you can't give God something he doesn't already have. Now, I like the way Psalm 50 puts that. It's about verses 10 through 15, where God is talking to Israel and he says, I don't need you to give me bulls and goats and sacrifices and so on. I, I already own everything. I already have that stuff. That's not the point. So all the good things that we do, yes, God wants us to do those things. He he expects us to respond to his grace in positive ways. But it's unbelievably arrogant for us to assume that I can somehow buy off the eternal, timeless, uncreated creator of the universe with whatever I can do in my little life on this little rock in this little side of the universe. So grace is this idea that God just does not have to offer us anything, but he chooses to offer it. So everything that comes from that has to be part of the mindset is that this is 100% God's choice. It is his decision. It's his mechanism. God is the one who is making this into a reality. We are not doing anything other than receiving it insofar as he calls us to and allows us to.
0: He is under no compulsion whatsoever. Amen. Uh, he's under no obligation to have reached out to us. And that's really what it is. God, God reaches down to our level. Uh, Jesus came down to our level in order to walk among us. That is grace, and it is undeserved. As soon as we start using the word deserve— when we talk about in the context of grace, you know, I, I deserve this. I earned this. We have lost the concept of grace because grace is God's undeserved blessing, his unmerited favor. We can't really mix the two of, you know, human works or the keeping of the law and God's grace. It, it's not that God says to us, well, you do this and this and this and this and meet me halfway. I will... I'll I'll take it from there. No, it's all of grace. And Romans chapter 11 makes this case as uh, Paul is talking about the uh, election of uh, the remnant of Israel, God's choice of them. And he talks about grace in this matter. If by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And so that's the, the quickest and easiest way to destroy grace is to start adding your own works and saying, now I can, I can help this matter along. I can save myself partially and God will do the rest. No, it's all of grace. God reaches down to the gutter and picks us up, washes us off, adopts us as his own children, gives us an inheritance in Christ, sets us in the heavenly places. It's God's work. From beginning to end, it is a work of grace. We just don't deserve it. That's the very definition
2: of grace. We, we talked a little bit about the idea of overlap. A, a visual, I think, Kevin, that goes along with what you're saying, that I try to come up with ways that people can sort of understand or visualize these ideas. And one concept I think that helps here is the idea of sort of an hourglass shape. One can imagine a, a triangle at the bottom, a triangle at the top, with one point in the middle. And grace is the top part of that. That's God reaching down to us. And to reach down to us, he's converging to something. Faith is us reaching up towards him. And as we seek God, we grow closer to what he's looking for. And that single point is Christ. So we we cannot possibly reach up high enough. We can't get through to God without Christ. And if God doesn't reach down, there's no possible way for us to Interact with him, so grace is that God is making this even possible in the first place. All of these converge together, but they all have to converge together.
0: Yeah, and I th- I love that illustration, Jeff, and I think it's I think it's a valuable one, as long as we remember that the the, the reaching up of faith is is not a work in in and of itself. It's it, God does the work, and our response to that is is faith, but faith in itself is not a work.
2: Right. And faith is not only not a work, but there's a lot of discussion about the extent to which God is really the one who puts faith into us in the first place. And that again, is a part of the idea of grace. He's not obligated to even cause us to want that experience with him in the first place. So you're right, is that faith is not a work. I think Jesus does a really good job when he's talking just after one of his miracles. It's in John chapter six, when he talks about salvation. And the crowd says, so what, what is this work that we're supposed to do? You know, in order to be saved. And Jesus says, no, no, this is the work you're supposed to do. Believe in the one that God has sent, which is sort of like, if somebody says to me, what do you want me to bring to the party? And I say, well, just bring yourself. I don't mean pick yourself up and walk yourself to the door. What I mean is there isn't anything it's not. So when Jesus says that, that's what he's telling him is there, there isn't anything. This is what right. you're supposed to do. You believe that is the way that you attain justification that god is choosing to offer
1: yeah so what's most interesting and this is something i've seen in a few questions lately is some sort of people wondering why are my works not why can't i contribute to salvation and i'm not sure which which cult or false religion these people have been from but it's been something i've noticed a couple times and i like to point people back to like an isaiah 64 6 it says all our righteous acts are filthy rags. and No need to go into any further on what that filthy rags actually means. It's to say it's gross. It's saying even our righteous acts are tainted, to say the least. Because, and you're well, why, why is that? Well, because even the righteous acts we do are not completely free from sin because it is virtually impossible. It is completely impossible without the Holy Spirit itself, But to do a righteous act for that, an absolutely right reason with the right motives, with no sinful taint to it whatsoever is an example. Um Giving to the poor, that's great. That's something God calls us to do, but are, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to glorify God or are you doing it because you feel sorry for poor people? So what's your motive in that? Are you doing it in any way to be recognized by others? Well, so with us, sinful motives all, always seem to get mixed in with even the righteous things we're trying to do. I'm Obviously, with the Holy Spirit, those affections can be changed. But before Christ, it n- is absolutely impossible for us to do any action that's purely and absolutely holy and righteous, because everything we do is tainted by sin. So even the, the kindness that we show to other people, everything, there is a taint to it. And if you really examine yourself, you'll you'll recognize this, because unless we're doing it solely to bring honor and glory to God then that act is not fully and completely righteous. So there's no way we can contribute anything to God, but it's everything we would bring to him and place on the altar. He looks at it and said, why'd you bring me that? So unless we're doing it through the power of Christ to honor, to glorify God, um, it's not even a offering that he can look down on and be pleased with. So nothing we can do can contribute to our salvation. Now, post-salvation, we do good works as not to contribute to salvation, but out of gratitude for salvation, out of thankfulness for what God has done for us, out of just worshiping him for saving us by grace. But remember, works, anything we can do, if we're doing them to try to earn God's favor, that alone taints that work in a a horrible way, makes it actually displeasing for God. If we're doing it for a reason, that's actually not God's will. It's not God's desire, not God's design.
2: A thought that's coming into my mind as we're talking about this is the idea of space and space travel, things like that. It's a little bit like the idea of, of saying that what we're supposed to attain is on the other side of the galaxy. And, you know, somebody says, well, why can't my works contribute to that? And, you know, what, one argument to make for that is to say, even if you want to consider contribution, which you can't theologically, but even if you wanted to, you're talking about human effort, trying to get you to the other side Of the galaxy, it doesn't matter how how much better you are than other people at swimming, flying, climbing, engineering, anything like that. That's just not possible unless God chooses to bridge that gap. Then there is just there is absolutely nothing there that's going to work, and that's just a step in the right direction because we're not saying that you're right. It's ninety nine point nine 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 percent God. You know, and my little tiny bit is just an insignificant contribution. Now, you don't contribute anything whatsoever, but it's sort of a mental stepping stone to be able to say, you just have to understand how big the gap is between us and God's perfection, such that even if you thought you could somehow build up to that, there is no way you would ever be able to get there in the first place. So you can sort of start from there and then come to realize that, no, there really just isn't anything about my works. It's all grace.
0: In Romans 3.23, we have the need for grace presented to us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then the very next verse gives us the wonderful good news that God did not leave us in our sin. Romans 3.24 says, "...all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus." The word justification there refers to being made the process by which we are made right with God. So we're taken from our sinful state to a place of being made right with God. We're reconciled with God. Then there are three words in this verse that I really, really love. One is the word freely. This is a gift of God, and it is free for the taking as we accept this by faith. I love the word grace as well, God's blessings that he pours out on us freely and they are undeserved and then of course i really love the word jesus that very last word in the verse jesus is our savior and it is because of jesus that we have god's grace and we have it freely wow, what a wonderful message
1: kevin i couldn't think of a better way to close this episode I mean, romans 323 which is such a popular verse always, often used in gospel presentations but 324 i'm not saying it's forgotten, but- it's a powerful verse just to remind us that salvation is by grace alone. So this has been the Got Questions podcast, first in a series of three on what does it mean that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This has been the Grace Alone episode. Got questions, Bibleized answers, and we'll help you find them.
0: Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.